Hello and welcome to Mag Heroes, a show about magazines and the people who make them. I'm Dan Rowden, founder of Magpile and Subsail. This week I chatted with my pal Kai Brack, the man behind Offscreen. 22 issues in, Kai has been publishing his tech-focused magazine since 2012. We discussed how the magazine has matured over the years as Kai has explored more ethical, technological thinking, the popular and profitable newsletter he runs alongside the magazine, and a few ways to maintain a successful magazine for this many years as a one-man business. Before we jump in, Subsale is a tech product I've been building since 2016 to help indie publishers sell subscriptions. There is no other product like it, aimed purely at small independent magazines. With Kai's valuable input, he's an advisor to Subsell, publishers on the platform have sold over $1.4 million in new subscriptions and renewals in the past three years. If you want to start selling subscriptions for your magazine, go to subsale.com to find out more. That's S-U-B-S-A-I-L.com. Now on with the show. Hi Kai, how's it going? Um, it's going good. It's uh, it's pretty hot down here, um, and you probably heard it that um, half of Australia has been on fire. But other than that, yeah. it's going pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it anywhere near you, like physically? Uh, no, not physically. I mean, we we have the the smoke from the fires over the last mm. two days. It was really sometimes hazardous the the, the air quality, but um, it's in the news everywhere, so it is kind of omnipresent. Uh, but the right. fires themselves are still a few hundred kilometers away. Um, for now, okay. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, yeah. I, I guess everyone's hoping that the uh, situation gets better soon. Um, but today, let's talk about off-screen and uh, mm-hmm. your newsletter, Dense Discovery. Um, so I was looking at back at the Mag Heroes uh, episode list, and you have been on twice before in 2015 and 2017. So uh, mm-hmm. I think you are the only repeat guest, and now this is the third time. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I'm still um, around. Is, is that what it means? I'm still around <laughs> as a magazine. <laughs> well, yeah, that's probably one of the the key points here. Um, you just released issue 22 of your kind of almost one man magazine, mm-hmm. which is uh, very impressive. Um, Thank you. If for anyone who hasn't um, read off screen or come across off screen before and is listening listening to this, could you just give a brief outline of the magazine? Sure. Uh, and can you believe it? Uh, even after 22 issues, I'm still struggling giving you a one sentence <laughs> pitch of my magazine. Um, I think it's because it's sort of evolved over the last few years. I think it started off mm. with a kind of behind the scenes view of, of how people in tech work and live and, and um, you know, the, the ideas uh, they bring to the table. Uh, but I think the last, I would say in the last two plus years, it's become the focus has become a lot more on um, on ethical issues and ethical considerations uh, in the tech industry. So a lot of our interviews, and it's a magazine that's b- b- built around four long, lengthy interviews, uh, and our interviewees are mostly working in the in the ethical uh, or, or related fields of, of ethics uh, in technology. And so we talk a lot about the. Um, the unintended and intended consequences of technology and the tools we build. Um, 
so that's been currently the focus of, of off screen. I would say that we uh, look at technology from a more critical perspective than your your average uh, kind of mainstream media outlet like TechCrunch and, and all those other blogs online. Um, and as the magazine's progressed, um, and obviously like the the kind of main focus has shifted somewhat. Um, have you seen that readers have stuck around from issue one through to the end, or have you have you seen kind of a shift in reader base at the same time? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, the numbers have roughly stayed the same, to be honest. Like, I haven't really had a huge uh, influx or decrease in, in numbers and in, in subscriber numbers, and um, I roughly print the same amount of copies um, that I was printing four years ago or three years ago. So it hasn't really changed that much. Uh, I can't really tell whether the readers themselves have just sort of morphed into a different reader, like a different group of readers, but I don't think so. I think um, as I became a bit more enlightened about the the, the inherent issues of technology and uh, the realization that, uh, yes, we are part of the solution, but we're also part of the problem of all the issues that we have in the world. I think our, my readers have uh, similarly kind of grown and have similarly realized, um, yeah, there's, there, there's a lot more complexity to what we do. It's not just about, uh, you know, solving uh, first world problems. It, it, it runs a lot deeper. And I think um, as I've become a bit more aware of these issues, I think my readers have as well. It's kind of been a a mutual uh, growth or development process over the last few years, I think. And um, yeah, I think that's what people really appreciate is that um, staying with the, you know, staying with the the issues that are currently being discussed. I mean, the, the whole ethical considerations of, of technology, all that stuff is, has, has only been uh, in the in the mainstream news over the last, I would say, two to three years, maybe just before um, Trump got elected. That's when, a, you know, a lot of people realized there's, there's unintended consequences to uh, things like social media that we haven't really st- spoken enough about. And um, yeah, I think since then it's become really a, a big talking point in our industry. And um, I've become a bit of a alternative voice uh, for, especially for the more indie, indie scene for small scale developers and, and designers and people doing their own thing. Um, yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's changed. I think people came along for the ride, but I think uh, it's be- it's it's been a very much a mutual kind of uh, uh, progress or pr- process over the last few years. The way I see it is that you kind of you've prompted people to now think about these different like it's like the tech in a slightly different way. Um, I mean, the first issues when you kind of talk to a tech person about how they started, how they grew their business, that was really fun. But now, like as the magazine's kind of matured, I guess is a good way to to describe it. Um, it's it's good that you're kind of challenging people and yeah. bringing these topics up for discussion. I think it kind of, you're saying it's a mutual thing, but I think you're actually pushing people that way. Yeah, I think that that's right. And I think uh, personally as well, I mean, when, when I started uh, 2011 or 12, um, I was, you know, the, the idea of, of s- small teams creating products that reach millions or potentially billions of people and making a lot of money uh, along the way, that was like, you know, the, the, the typical kind of startup, uh, or, or tech vibe at the time, um, where a lot of people were in it for uh, the sheer scale of it and for you know the potential of it. I think now people are a lot more uh, aware or conscious of, of of some of the things that we do that are not that great. And uh, yeah, keeping that top of mind with more, my, my readers and the people in our industry, I think is really important these days. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that yes, we can do, a lot of t- uh, problems that we can solve, but should they be solved by people that we uh, that work in our industry? And should we be spending our time solving these uh, quite trivial problems if there's a lot of underlying issues that have, haven't been resolved? 
Um, so yeah, I think that's, uh, and that, that's what keeps me coming back to off screen because I think that's where I really find myself, find a lot of, get a lot of uh, satisfaction from, from um, speaking to a lot more people and looking at the stuff that we do a lot more critically and not just talking about the surface level stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm just looking back at your, the uh, off screen page on Magpile. Um, so you've been running the magazine for basically eight years now. Um, and what I recall about off screen is that you're not afraid to uh, kind of change things up, mm -hmm. even though the magazine stayed quite consistent and you still have those main features, uh, interviews. Um, it looks from the covers that you've had like five different kind of periods of the magazine, mm. um, which is interesting. And um, you've managed to keep your readership levels similar or increase mm -hmm. over the years. Um, what what would you say is the reason behind you morphing the magazine? Um, and have there been any major kind of stumbling blocks along the way? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, stumbling blocks, sure. Any creative project as it matures, uh, you know, gets better or, or refines um, their, their, their limits a little bit better, the, the, what it is and what it does. And so as, as that maturing process happens, you adjust the design accordingly, I think. There's also uh, just me, because it's such a, a one-person project, it's me just getting tired of looking at the same the same design and the same uh, the same thing over and over again. So there's yeah. every few years, there's probably, as you can see, when you look at the overview of the covers, there's a little bit of that uh, creative, uh, you know, that, 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 that drive to, to just come up with something a bit different because you get tired of it. Um, and then, but you know, if, if you if you look at the actual structure of the magazine, it hasn't changed a huge amount, um, and that is mostly for practical reasons because I am such a small team, like mostly one person working with a few freelancers. I need to keep the the, the design and the layout uh, quite quite disciplined, quite structured, so that I can just basically fill a template every single time. There's not a lot of uh, a huge you know editorial design work that goes into every single issue. But every now and then, like every two or three or four years, when I get tired of it, I do kind of a big, <laughs> a big uh, rehaul, like overhaul of the magazine, and that's when I spend you know a few months thinking about um, what I can change about the design. But between those uh, big phases, uh, there's it's just tiny, tiny iterations um, of yeah, me just optimizing design a bit here and there. But you know, th don't change a working system or whatever that <laughs> that phrase is in, in technology. <laughs> I think once you have a thing that works, um, yeah, just keep doing it. Yeah, um, and over recent years you've been having a different cover uh, color. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's interesting again to look at the overview of covers to see that kind of change. But I've always been interested. How do you pick a certain color for each issue? <laughs> um, there's not a lot of science behind it. I think I just look at what the last three three or four colors were and. Uh, try to differentiate the particular color that I'm, that I'm thinking of with whatever I had in the past. So that's something that is it's not too close to the other colors and that looks mm. kind of nice on the, on the bookshelf, I guess. Um, but there's not a, I mean, it really is kind of random. And then I have this um, really cute little calendar. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a calendar for, for type, uh, for, for print aficionados. And it has basically uh, 365 different colors for each, like one for a different color for each page. And it gives you the, okay the RGB and the CMYK value on the back. So I often flick through that calendar, um, which is in, I think four or five years old now. Um, and uh, so you can see the actual uh, CMYK color as it comes out from the offset printer because on the screen, you never really, you never really know. 
Um, and so I just usually go through that. And if I feel like an orange cover, I go through that and pick out some orange colors um, and then usually get either pick one or get really close to one of the values from that calendar. So I roughly know what it, what the final product will look like. Mm. Um, so, so going back to um, what you're talking about, the voice in the tech industry, you are originally a web designer, not a developer. Um, yep. But you've grown this magazine about kind of products and people building things. Um, do you find that it's easy to kind of talk about things that you may not be able to kind of build yourself? Or do you view it as you being kind of a tech user as your way of kind of talking about these topics? Um, good question. I don't think I look at it from a, um, a very technical or, or you know, uh, uh, like a, a person that works within the industry. I'm, I think I'm, mm. because I haven't really worked as a designer or as a, as a, I haven't had a technical role in any of those products for a long time. I think I look at it more from an, an outside, uh, like a person that critiques uh, some of that work. Mm. Um, and for me, like the discussion is not really about, you know, what sort of technology you should use to build certain products. It's really very high level. And it's it's more about, yeah, talking about the direction we take uh, when like the decisions we make along, uh, you know, when we build those products, what sort of decisions should we make uh, very early on and what sort of decisions should we make as we as we build it. Uh, and so, you know, again, that, that question of should we, the fact that it can be built, should it be built? Uh, what are the consequences that we can foresee? What are the consequences that we can't foresee? Uh, that's not, I mean, it's not, the magazine is not all about that, but it's, it's usually just inspiring people about, uh, give them a bit of a broader horizon to, to think about um, stuff before they go into that venture of creating a new startup or a new product. So in the last, the latest issue, um, Jenny O'Dell talks a lot about um, how, as a, as a as a as an industry, I guess it applies to a lot of industries, but especially in the tech world, the idea of productivity is so it's such a capitalistic kind of view at productivity. We think about productivity as a, as a as a, a you know time that needs to be optimized so we can get more stuff done within a certain amount of time or within a certain space. Um, it doesn't that that idea of productivity doesn't allow us to consider downtime as a productive time like we need to recharge we need to sometimes sit and observe and just or, or maintenance for example the idea that uh, uh you know maintaining a product maintaining yourself your inner uh, your, your physical or your mental health is something that is actually considered productive doing um so when you know when, when you when you listen to her and you relate it back to our industry um, all of a sudden you, you think about productivity in, in a very different way. You don't think about productivity single, uh, uh, basically just, um, so you don't think about productivity just on the basis of, you know, how many things can I get done? How can I record or control my time and how can I maximize my time? But you think about it as, okay, if, if I want to, if I want to have that outcome, what do I need to do to, to get there? Um, but with a, with a healthy mind, with a, with a, with the right focus, um, you know, with the right mindset. Um, and I think I find that really inspiring. So anything that kind of criticizes the, 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 the status quo and especially the status quo in Silicon Valley of how, how things should be done or, or should get done, uh, that's my cup of tea. Like I really like looking at, at our mindset as, as an industry from a lot of different angles. <clears throat> and do you have a readership in Silicon Valley? Um, yeah, of course. Um, I mean, most of my readers are from the US and then I think... Uh, I would say the majority of the U.S. readers are probably on the on the uh, western coast, um, on the west coast. So, 
I would say, yeah, probably not, maybe not the people that work at, not so many people that work at Google or, or Amazon or, or, or Microsoft or whatever, but uh, there's a lot of smaller shops and a lot of smaller, you know, digital or startups or, or, or freelancers that, that read off screen there, definitely. Yeah. So alongside off screen, um, you run this newsletter. Um, and I, I vaguely remember it starting out as the off screen newsletter. Is that right? And it's um, kind of morphed into something else along the way. It's funny. It's actually it actually started off as the modern desk, which was a standalone uh, newsletter that I right. started. <laughs> uh, I think two years in after after launching off screen. Two years later, okay. I launched another newsletter, and then I decided to morph it into off screen into the off screen brand. Uh, and then after two, two or so years of uh, running it parallel to off screen or with as part of off screen, I decided to um, uh, again outsource. Uh, create his own, you know, the own, his own brand or its own uh, domain name, just because it gave me a bit more flexibility in terms of what I can cover mm. in the newsletter. So it's not so closely associated to the topics and the, and the, uh, yeah, the stuff that we cover in the magazine. Yeah. So nowadays it's called dense discovery. Um, and your tagline is a weekly newsletter helping web workers be productive, stay inspired and think critically, which obviously is, uh, linked to what you're doing with off screen, but, um, with the think critically part, but yeah, this, this is one of my favorite newsletters to read, um, oh, probably you. because I'm in kind of the tech world and I enjoy a lot of the things that you find and feature in there. Um, mm. why, so going back to, um, the original newsletter, uh, why did you start a newsletter alongside the magazine? Um, I think partly because the publishing a magazine that comes out three times a year, there's so there's so many months between you know, you working and actually getting feedback from uh, for the for the things that you do. So I'm just gonna let that um, ambulance pass. Um, yeah, there's there's such a big gap between uh, you producing something and then getting feedback from your readers. And so the newsletter, a weekly newsletter, was uh, a really nice way of 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 having a conversation, having a, an interaction with your readers um, that is a bit more, you know, it's a bit faster. The, the feedback cycle is a lot shorter. Uh, and so um, that's it. Like, and it also, to be honest, it also is, I, I love email. I love newsletters. I, li I like the email as a medium. And <clears throat> it has been, I mean, purely on a, on a marketing, uh, from a marketing point of view, email has been, has always been the, the best driver of, 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 of sales and of subscription sales for off screen. So uh, I've always had a, a pretty close relationship with my readers. And so spinning off a, a newsletter from that, uh, from the list of, of readers seemed like a, a good thing to do. And I still believe newsletters, as, as you're probably aware, like there's so many newsletters these days, it's, it's the second coming of newsletters. Mm. And uh, yeah, they're just, I find them, it's just the right mix between, you know, broadcasting and, and, and receiving responses. Uh, but it's not so public that it's, that, you know, it just creates these shitstorms. It's just, it's just private enough to have decent conversations and people can just opt in and out. Uh, without feeling guilty, I find that really, yeah, I find that whole conversation that, I, and I have a lot of conversation, I have a lot of responses um, coming back uh, with every issue that I send out, and it's it's always like 99% positive, and it's really heartwarming and really, yeah, it's just sometimes really practical, useful feedback, and sometimes it's just inspiring um, to hear from mm. other people. Yeah, yeah, and you have over 20,000 readers of your newsletter, which, uh, yeah, is a very big number. <laughs> um, especially as it's kind of like a side project for you, I guess, if you compare it to your magazine, but I'd imagine that because you run some ads and you have kind of like um, paid slots in there, mm -hmm. that it's also a kind of a, a profitable business. 
yeah. So how how do you see them the two kind of projects working alongside each other? Does one kind of require more attention versus the other based on revenue, or do you kind of just kind of treat them separately? Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think with the newsletter taking with the newsletter becoming quite popular and and, and making a bit of money as well, uh, I was definitely able to feel less stress and less pressure um, producing, you know, X amount of, of, of issues of off-screen every year. So that re- reduced some of that pressure of, of having, hitting that target with off-screen. Otherwise, you know, without, so basically with off-screen, if I don't do, or before the newsletter was where it is now, I had to do three issues a year at least to make enough money to live off new, off, off-screen. And so with a bit of money coming in through Dense Discovery, I was able to feel you know, less pressure to have those three co- the three issues out every year. And so currently I can do two issues, uh, which means that Dense Discovery makes up, makes enough money to compensate for one issue of, of income, which is, I think, a really nice, um, uh, a nice pace. Um, so if I can continue with that, I'm, I'm really happy uh, because the newsletter itself is not a huge amount of work. Uh, it's like, you know, maybe half a day to a day uh, every week. Um, and yeah, and then if I can if I can continue the the pace that I have now, two issues, maybe sometimes three issues a year, uh, that would be perfect. Like I'm really happy with the with the current um, you know flow of things. And you, do you have any other work outside those two projects? Uh, no, not not really. I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> it's funny that you asked me because I just came off another chat uh, com- video conference with a, with a friend here from Sydney, and he asked me uh, to redo his website. I did his website eight or nine years ago, and he said, it's, <laughs> it's, "I think I think it's time to do another one." Uh, <laughs> and so I have a bit of time now, and I'm helping him with the design of, of the website. But usually, I don't do that. I, I actually uh, haven't done any any uh, freelance work in the last eight or nine years. Mm. Um, but I'm also having said that I'm also about to, so I'm, I'm, I'm currently figuring out whether my knee, uh, is, is going to hold up. I've got some problems with my knee, but I'm, I'm planning on going to New Zealand, f- uh, in two weeks for, a, for a long bike ride, maybe three to four weeks. And so there's not going to be much work other than a newsletter while I'm there. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you've got a pretty decent kind of lifestyle at the moment. You know, you're creating these publishing projects, which you obviously enjoy and have done for years. Um, and you don't have any kind of outside pressures that they're generating enough income for you. It sounds pretty ideal. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy and very lucky and very privileged to be able to do that. And um, I think you know adjusting your expectations, your income expectations, adjusting your lifestyle accordingly. If you have you know very uh, low expenses and you have a very frugal lifestyle, then uh, as you know, publishing there's not a lot of like you're not going to get rich from publishing. But if you adjust your lifestyle accordingly, um, the the freedom that it gives you when you um, set your own pace. Uh, yeah, it's really rewarding. Uh, not to say that it's perfect. Like, you know, there's obviously stressful times and there's times when I, I wonder whether I should be doing this for, <laughs> for the next few years. But, um, yeah, I think overall I'm, I'm very happy with the, the flexibility it gives me. Absolutely. Hmm. And I'd imagine there's a lot of people out there making a magazine or planning a magazine that, uh, would want to get to your position. Um, do you, I mean, can you, uh, explain or do you even know like how you managed to get this to work out so well <laughs> um you know there's so much luck involved in these things um i think being in the in, in that industry in the tech industry at the right time is for any business whether it's a startup or an app uh, a service or a magazine uh, i think it was just a good you know good timing um i think what uh, i think personally i'm not i'm not hugely uh i'm not a 
very um, uh, my skill set is not very deep, so it's very broad. So I can do a bit of web design, I can do a bit of pro like tiny bit of programming, I can do a bit of uh, you know editorial design. I'm, I'm I'm fairly okay with editing and and have a good overview of the tools and the, the processes that I need to get stuff done uh, fairly fairly productively. And so. I think that helped me having a good understanding of all those things, but not a very deep understanding. Um, and then just, I think maybe that comes from my German upbringing. I think I'm, I'm quite disciplined. Like I, I, I don't, I've been working for myself for almost uh, 18 years now or 19 years. And so after a while, you kind of know that, you know, stuff's not going to get done unless you do it. And so, um, that I think just having the discipline and fig figuring out uh, a, a framework or some sort of bl blueprint that you can adhere to to get stuff done uh, has been really helpful as well. But then, of course, you know, having sponsors, uh, the magazine, uh, I think one of the big problems for magazine publishers is, is obviously the financial side of things and getting uh, covering the production costs. Um, and so with the, with the industry that I work in, with the tech world, there's uh, I think it's kind of easier to to find those sponsors or advertisers than it is in many other um, industries. So if you make a lifestyle magazine, uh, it's quite broad. And so finding sponsors for a very broad magazine sometimes is harder than finding a, a magazine that's quite niche and has a very uh, sharply defined audience. Um, yeah, so all those things together, I think, uh, I just, yeah, I was just lucky to be in the right place. And who knows? I mean, with a, especially with the sponsorships, I, I noticed in the last few years, it's getting a bit harder to get to that sponsorship money because, um, yeah, technology companies are growing up. They put, they put more emphasis and focus on digital advertising and, and you know, Facebook, Google, whatever. Um, so convincing them nowadays to spend a few thousand dollars on a, on a print ad is uh, harder than it was, than it used to be. Um, yeah, it's the publishing world is in constant um, flux like there's so much stuff happening and a lot of people are unsure where where we're going um so it's hard to make any predictions i find yeah but uh, i think obviously a key part of your success is that the magazine is really good <laughs> people <laughs> really <you>. enjoy reading it <laughs> Thank uh, you. so yeah keep it up um my new copy i think is at the post office right now so i have to go and uh -huh. look at it after this okay I'll enjoy that later <laughs> um so just to finish up um are there any magazines that you are reading or enjoying or featuring in your Dense Discovery newsletter um, I wish, that you could recommend to other people? I wish you uh, would have told me about the question uh, <laughs> half an hour before we, we got on because there are quite a few magazines, but I, I, I'm really, I actually don't read a lot of magazines at the moment, also uh, partly because I've been uh i've been uh not like um at, at, the, at the same address for long enough to kind of have more things um but uh, I do feature in uh, currently I have this thing in the in the dense discovery newsletter where I feature a different magazine every week and that's been going for probably about 20 or 30 weeks so if you go through if you go to densediscovery.com and then go through the uh, the archive which is available on the website the, the last 20 or so issues there's a new a different magazine every single time um, I think the one that the last one that that um, I had an issue in the, in, the, in the newsletter was called Market Cafe Magazine, which has a strange, weird name, but is about uh, uh, data visualization. Um, I haven't actually seen the thing, the real thing, but it looked on the website, it looks really interesting and I, I, I'm keen to get a copy. All the, all, the pre, all the older issues are sold out and I think they only have a very low stock number of, of the current issues. So um, you have to be quick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, a, that's a magazine I've been kind of tracking for a while, but not actually kind of uh, seen in real life. But yeah, it looks it looks great. I'm gonna 
try and get myself a copy. Yeah, reach out to them. They might be interested, interesting uh, to hear from like this, the story that um, the story behind that magazine, because I think they're both um, digital designers and they just came up with a magazine mm. because they like zines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks really cool. All right, Kai, um, thanks a lot for coming on for the third time <laughs> for sharing some of your knowledge. Um, Thank you. If anyone wants to hear more from Kai about how to make a magazine, um, he used to write tons of blog posts about how he was creating the off-screen back in the day. Um, that's all on your blog, right? Uh, yeah, and um, thanks for the reminder because um, so I've created, I helped create this little network um, of a printer, a shipper, and myself um, where we uh, provide a bit of advice and consulting, but also printing and shipping of magazines called Heftwerk. Uh, maybe you can also uh, include a link. Uh, yeah. We're just about to, so I've, I've written this long blog post called that I called Indie Magonomics uh, a few years ago. Yeah. And uh, we're just about to uh, hit print uh, on that project. So we basically, I, I basically edited and, and updated that, that giant blog post. I think it was like a 5,000 word blog post or something. Um, and we, I decided to put it into a little zine, into a little magazine itself. Um, and so the printer and I have been working on this little, um, very simple, but hopefully quite beautiful little zine where we're using, I think it's eight or nine different paper stocks. So the idea mm -hmm. is that you get, um, you can read the, you know, my, my blog post in a printed format, but you also get a bit of a preview of some of the many, many different paper types that have, or the printer or any printer has on, on, on offer. Um, mm -hmm. And a bit of, a bit of uh, yeah, basically advice on how you, how you get started and, and what sort of considerations go into creating a quote and creating your first kind of, um, uh, you know, um, prototype of the magazine so if you want a, a bit more information that, that that little booklet should probably be done in the next like four weeks or so and then we'll probably take another week or two to put it on the website where people can order it i'm not sure if it's going to be free uh, if it's not free it probably be it probably be a really sm super small charge just to cover postage like a few euros or so cool yeah and if anyone is interested about launching magazines you should go check out the heftwork network of companies and people because uh, they will help get your magazine out there Mm. I've seen proof of this many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have quite a list of magazines now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a cool little system you helped build there. <laughs> All right, Kai. Uh, thanks again. And, thanks um, for having I'll me. I'll catch you soon. Thanks for having me. Bye. Cheers. Bye. A huge thank you to you for listening. And thanks again to Kai for coming on the show listen to past episodes go to magheroes.net or just search for mag heroes in any podcast app if you're not already subscribed it's the best way to catch all future episodes now we're back in the swing of things expect two new episodes a month i share the mags i buy read and enjoy at dance mags on instagram and i'll catch you in a couple of weeks for another episode cheers <laughs>